TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Good Sunday morning to everybody. It's Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you. Coming up in a very short minute and a half, the congressman representing District Number 26 here in New York will join us. Congressman Brian Higgins at 11. John Zogby talking about his most recent poll, Trump versus Biden, and also Trump versus Cuomo. So some interesting points to talk with him. And then Russ Thompson will join us at 11.35. And the governor speaking at noon Tom Barley will then be here with you from 1 to 4. So keeping it live and local all day as we have been doing. Brenda, good morning. Good morning. It, it is Sunday morning, right, Joe? It's hard to tell these days. What's that, Brenda? I'm sorry. It, it, it is Sunday morning, correct? It is Sunday. <laughs> it's really hard to tell lately. You know, uh, I'm doing the panic wake-ups on Saturday because, like you, everything's just you know blending together. Uh, yes. I have to remind Alan what day it is when we do our first talk in the morning when he checks in from home. I have to say, all right, Alan, it's Wednesday, uh, April, whatever. Uh, but, you know, getting by, getting by, the uh, today is going to be a warmer day. The sun's out right now. So uh, you got to look at those positives. Take those positives in. Yesterday, I, uh, I took a long walk with the dog and wore my mask, and I said, you know, it really feels good to just be quiet for a little bit and walk. I had no radio on with me, which is unusual, but it, just to hear the birds chirping, feel the sun on my face, and just see some green grass get out of the four walls that we're in really felt good. So those little things can help revive us uh, a little. And humor helps too, Joe. I saw something on social media about how uh, the corona crisis reminds people that they're in Vegas. Nobody knows what day it is. Day drinking is acceptable. And <laughs> there was one other point that was funny. So in no way do we minimize this, but it is something that uh, you try to find some humor in to get through these tough days. You got to have a laugh. You got to be able to find a way to have a laugh, have an hour where you just take things lightly. I mean, I do that 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, but during this, find an hour where you just unplug from reality, right? You, uh, you watch a light, maybe a rom-com or your favorite sitcom with your favorite adult beverage and just get away from reality for a little bit. I think that's the best way uh, to handle this because if you focus on reality too long, it's, uh, it's not good for anybody. No, it's overwhelming, and it, it helps to exercise, too. Just physical movement, I think, helps 
you know, we all know that that's a good way to de-stress in general, but certainly during these times, it's even more important to do so. Um, but don't turn off the radio between 10 and 1 because Joe and I will be here uh, talking about what's happening and taking your calls and texts. Call us at 803-0930 with any questions. And the Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board is open at 30930. And joining us now is Congressman Brian Higgins. Congressman Higgins, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Doing well, uh, Congressman Higgins. How are you doing during uh, the COVID-19 I'm doing well, keeping busy, uh, keeping tabs on what's uh, developing in Washington relative to a second round of uh, major disaster relief, and uh, hopefully we'll have good news in the next couple of days. And let's uh, let's kick off talking about that. What is the second stimulus relief? Will this be another round of checks to Americans, and will it help small business? Uh, it will help small businesses, it will help hospitals, and it will help state, county, and local governments. And my hope is that there will be more direct relief uh, to uh, people who are out of work. And, and Congressman, it's what, about $24 million is allocated for the Buffalo and Niagara airports specifically. Uh, what other kind of breakdown is there for this region? Uh, that was, uh, that was uh, a distribution of monies that were previously approved. Uh, what I'm talking about now is a negotiation that's occurring uh, as we speak between the Treasury Secretary and the uh, the Speaker of the House and the Senate leader and, uh, and minority leader. You know, uh, speaking of uh, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker, uh, she made a comment this morning that was pretty inflammatory, uh, calling President Trump a weak leader. And uh, she did say that Congress will reach an agreement, she thinks, for adding $250 billion, replenishing a program that provides forgivable loans to small business. Have you heard anything further on that? Is that, uh, is that your impression that that's moving in that direction? Uh, it is. Uh, there's never been dispute about the need uh, to provide more funding for small businesses. That $250 billion dollars. Uh, has been agreed to. Uh, what we want to see is uh, money going to hospitals and healthcare workers who are at the front lines of this uh, epidemic uh, or pandemic. Uh, this is a very serious matter. I mean, like, you know, just think about this. 16 Erie County residents died of COVID-19 in the past 24 hours. Uh, 600 people died in New York City in the past 24 hours. So getting a direct aid uh, to people who are on the front lines is our moral obligation uh, to keep them protected uh, while they're serving the most vulnerable people in our society. Congressman Higgins, what is the disagreement in Congress? What is hold, holding back a replenishment of the funds for these small business loans? Uh, it is aid to hospital workers. It's aid to... Uh, to state, county, and local governments who have huge uh, budget uh, gaps because of the uh, the pandemic, uh, we uh, shut down uh, the United States economy. It's a, a 22.6 trillion dollar economy, 70 percent of which is consumption, which was shut down, albeit uh, for the public good, for the health good of people. And I think the federal government recognizes that it has a responsibility. Uh, to provide assistance to those uh, governments, those entities, hospitals, healthcare workers uh, who are hurting. Uh, this is the great equalizer. Everybody has been adversely impacted uh, economically. So we have to make sure that each package that we do 
is inclusive of a lot of people. My hope is at the end of all of this, uh, we will emerge as a better nation. Uh, you know, the new normal should be a better America. And that's one that is more equitable and more healthy. And I think what this pandemic, in addition to many other things, has revealed is the fragility uh, of the American economy and the fragility of American society right now. So in the bill that passes or the bill that's being um, discussed, there's no special interest pork spending. There's no add-ons that have nothing to do with COVID-19. Uh, no, uh, clearly, you know, the focus is on uh, small businesses, which is the lifeline to uh, employees, uh, the people that make this economy work, the consumers that spend money, uh, hospitals as institutions, hospital workers as uh, the first responders in this tech, uh, pandemic, and uh, also uh, uh, the municipalities and the states who are you know, uh, coordinating this at the local level who are expending uh, resources uh, very rapidly because of uh, the emergency nature of what we're dealing with. All right, Congressman Higgins, we've heard about uh, people claiming that banks have been withholding stimulus money from them. Have you been looking into this? Is Congress looking into this? Yeah, no, here's what Congress has oversight responsibility. And uh, that occurs every single day at, at a multiple of, of, of levels. Uh, the House has an oversight committee. The Senate has an oversight committee. And a special oversight committee has been established to oversee the, the release of monies. Uh, Congress is appropriating money, $2 trillion, uh, in the first CARES Act. And it's being administered at the local level. We have, uh, we have small business administration lenders in the Buffalo area. So what I do is reach out to them to find out, uh, you know, how they're doing the distribution of, of funds to small businesses, those uh, of less than 500, uh, to ensure that, you know, they can uh, keep people on the payroll for as long as possible. And, uh, and I think they're doing a good job. I mean, they ramped up very, very quickly, and they spent a lot of money in a short period of time. But certainly there was not enough money, and that's why we're adding another $250 billion to that. Well, especially with the New York pause now, what was your view of uh, the governor extending that uh, to May 15th, Congressman? Well, I think that what we have to recognize is that there are public health officials. You know, why is the governor, you know, out front on this? Because New York State has a significant public health responsibility. And uh, what he is doing is taking the best information from the Centers for Disease Control, which is outlined uh, guidelines relative to uh, what is necessary to flatten the curve to reduce the growth of, of incidences of COVID-19. And uh, so uh, they're being very cautious, but they're, 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 they're referencing uh, <clears throat> advice that they're getting from public health officials, that they have... Uh, working with them directly, but also for from the Centers for Disease Control. Uh, Congressman Higgins, what do you say about these groups around the country? We've seen it in Texas. Uh, I guess I've got a two-part question here. What do you say about the groups protesting around the country, saying that uh, the economy needs to reopen? They're pretty much protesting the stay-at-home order. And then on top of that, what do you say to the state of Florida allowing certain beaches to reopen? Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think that we should follow the guidance of public health experts. And people in this country can say whatever they want to say. 
but people in this country can also listen to whoever they want to listen to. And I think the vast majority of people in our community, in this state, and, and throughout the country are listening to people who are public health experts. Uh, you know, you can, you can try to push uh, the economy to open when it's not ready to open because you still have a public health crisis it has not been abated. And first and foremost, that has to be dealt with before you can really deal uh, with, uh, you know, the rest of the economy. So all of the relief that you see coming <laughs> is really disaster relief. Uh, and that's what the federal government's proper role is. You know, when there is a flood, when there is a hurricane, when there's a snowstorm, uh, like there has been in Buffalo that has paralyzed the city and paralyzed uh, individuals where they have to stay home, where businesses close, uh, the federal government comes to provide assistance for the expense uh, that has been incurred because of that situation. Uh, I think we need to listen very carefully to uh, to public health experts at the federal, state, and local level. There's a lot of talk about how different the demographics are. Obviously, the population is very different in New York City versus Western New York. Can you see any sort of solution about trying to uh, perhaps put a different mandate on this part of the state versus downstate, or do you think that's just too unrealistic at this point? My opinion about that really shouldn't matter to anybody because that's not my area of expertise, and that's why I think we should all defer to public health experts. And, you know, blame assignment and, and you know, how this is, uh, this is dealt with uh, relative to a reopening of the economy, uh, you know, it will be dealt with and should be dealt with in the most responsible way. But here's what I do know. If you think about this for a moment, <coughs> that people often make reference to the Spanish flu, the influenza of, of, of 1918. What you should understand is that that didn't occur in one year. It actually lasted two years. 675,000 Americans died with a population in 1920 of only 106 million people. It happened in three waves. It happened in the spring, the fall, and then the following uh, winter. And I think what most people want is this thing to be concluded uh, uh, so that we don't have to experience additional waves of it. Can you imagine if we opened up everything and in a couple of weeks we're right back to where we started? Uh, look at the, the, you know, the, the, the physical death and destruction, uh, the human death and destruction, and the economic death and destruction. Now, the other thing we should think about is, you know, the United States spent $700 billion on defense last year, and we don't have face masks. For healthcare workers, we don't have uh, personal protective equipment. We don't have ventilators. We don't have testing equipment. And what we should learn in all of this, and this is what concerns me when there's discussion of a vaccine, it, it just implies, it gives people the sense that this thing is going to get resolved in a short period of time because of a vaccine. Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, you know, clinical trials, 85% of them fail. And it doesn't mean that you stop trying, but drug development, vaccine development, uh, treatments uh, for disease like COVID-19 and cancer uh, are developed over decades. Uh, and, and the concern is that it conveys to people that 
you know, look, this is all going to get resolved because of a vaccine that's going to materialize uh, in, in, in a couple of months. That is not going to happen. And the fact of the matter is we need to anticipate uh, these kinds of things continuing, these kinds of diseases, coronavirus. You know, SARS, uh, you know, was a, 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 a pandemic uh, back in 2003. It's very similar to the coronavirus. And why is it, you know, the, 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 the World Health Organization said back in 2003 that the coronavirus was the official cause of SARS. SARS is Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. That was 17 years ago this month. We should have started working on a vaccine 17 years ago because that is the time frame within which you can successfully develop a vaccine. We wouldn't be having this discussion if that had occurred. But again, we spent $700 billion on defense and about $40 billion to the National Institute of Health that is doing important research uh, for disease treatment, disease vaccine like cancer and like uh, the coronavirus. So I think we, you know, hopefully at the end of this, we will get our priorities straight as a nation. And, you know, the new normal will be a better American that recognizes that, you know, we have an obligation to have a healthier uh, country and one that is more equitable and one that uh, treats people fairly. Congressman Higgins, I want to go back to a question I asked earlier. In, in all fairness, I asked about the upcoming stimulus package. But we look back at the last stimulus package and there was money in there for NPR and for the Kennedy Center. Now, after that was passed, the Kennedy Center went ahead and laid off employees. So was that money COVID-19 related? Uh, those monies were negotiated. They were small pieces to a larger package. And there are certain responsibilities that the federal government has to institutions. And one was the Kennedy Center. And there was, I mean, keep in mind, uh, there, was, there was consensus about doing that. And, uh, and that's why it was done. But it's a very small piece of an overall package. The vast majority of that was for small businesses, was for hospitals and for individuals. Looks bad, though, don't you think, Congressman? The optics on something like that when it becomes such a big thing. I mean, the president was asked about that, and uh, I think you know we're, we're talking about a better America. But there's so much now with media attention that some of the optics just look horrible. Uh, it, it's hard to reconcile that, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's it, it. There's a lot of things that can be exploited uh, that don't make a lot of sense, and I understand that. But in order for this bill to be passed and the previous bill to be passed, it has to get approved in both the House, the Senate, and then it goes to the president's office uh, for signature. And that's what had occurred. You can pull pieces out of every budget. You know, we have a $4.9 trillion uh, budget every year, and uh, there are component parts of that that I don't understand, to be honest, and, and, and a lot of members of Congress uh, don't understand or can't justify. But in the end, you have to have a consensus on a bill to move forward. And those things were put in there for a reason, and they were agreed to by uh, the three parties, the House, the Senate, and the President. I want to ask you about uh, Governor Cuomo. He's really um, stepped up and has, as you know, daily conferences, and many of them are nationally broadcast. He's become uh, a national figure with this COVID-19 crisis. 
How often do you get a chance to speak to him or to Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul, and what kind of uh, communication do you get from the governor's office? Uh, on a regular basis, you know, right from the very beginning, we have been in direct contact with the governor's office uh, to do what I do, and that's advocate for hospitals, uh, for, for, for colleges, for, uh, for health care workers, uh, you know, protective masks, uh, 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 diagnostic testing uh, for the COVID-19. These are all very, very important because if you're testing a small percentage of your population, uh, the number of cases that are confirmed is not truly representative of what is what is reality. And we can't deal with this until we know the, the, the scope of the problem. So uh, the, 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 the governor's office uh, has been very responsive uh, to me directly, but also to uh, our hospitals, our, our small businesses, and the banking uh, institutions that administer the uh, small business uh, administration loans. So, and that continues. That's just you know, there's no playbook for this. Uh, this is unprecedented. This is uncharted waters. So every day you wake up confronted with a number of challenges and a big part of what I've been doing over the last month is to advocate on their behalf. And uh, I think we've had good success. Uh, you know, the, the healthcare leadership of Buffalo and Western New York has been uh, very responsive. They ramped up very, very quickly uh, in anticipation of at some point reaching the peak of this thing so that we can uh, begin to uh, reduce the number of cases. Uh, we're not there yet, and 16 deaths in a 24-hour period in Erie County alone is an urgent reminder that we still have a long way to go here. Uh, Congressman, one last question. Uh, now, I know in the morning we've caught you at the end of a workout, or right before a workout. With gyms closed, uh, how are you staying in shape, and what's your advice to others? Uh, I think that everybody is has developed, uh, uh, you know, just an alternative method by which to do things. I have some weights here at home. I do a floor routine. Uh, I do a lot of walking. We have beautiful parks, and if people, you know, exercise good social distancing now, uh, potentially wearing masks, uh, I think you know we can use those. Uh, those resources that we have here, uh, you know, the, the county park system, the city park system is uh, among, you know, the, the, the park systems that are the envy of the nation. Let's get out and use them. Let's rediscover them. And I think it's, you know, it's, you know, Brenda, you had said at the very beginning, and I think, Joe, you would reference as well, you know, more people are walking. Uh, you know, we in South Buffalo, we have uh, the Olmstead Park System, which consists of two Olmstead Parks and two parkways. And, you know, this afternoon, there'll be more people than are uh, typically out in, in this, you know, this time of year. So I think that's, that's, that's a very, very positive thing. Um, but I, I guess, again, want to emphasize uh, the need to do uh, good uh, research in the development of treatments and vaccines uh, for these diseases. Uh, we as a nation were not prepared for this. And we as a nation should have been prepared. And that's not assigning blame. That's, that's everybody's responsibility, including mine. But when you deal with these kinds of diseases that have been with us for a long time, be it SARS, be it the Spanish flu, be it the new coronavirus, um, you know, we should uh, insist that uh, the research dollars to develop treatments and vaccines 
uh, are, are there so as to avoid what we have all been through. And the vaccine uh, incorporates uh, uh, we're looking for a vaccine right now that incorporates what's referred to as the spike protein uh, that is on the surface of the coronavirus. And that spike protein is why the virus can attach itself to a cell. And, and uh, you know, a, a virus can't do any harm unless it attaches itself uh, to a cell and multiplies. If we can keep that virus from attaching itself uh, to the cell, uh, that is a successful, you know, blocking of uh, the virus from entering the cell, and we have a successful vaccine. Uh, we should have had that developed based on uh, the fact that 17 years ago, there was a coronavirus called SARS, and uh, this is called the the new coronavirus, the novel coronavirus, and and that is is called that because there's a Spanish and Latin word uh, that that you know that that, that depicts the the, the, the the structure of the virus, which is which is a crown. Uh, so I just think that insisting that the National Institutes of Health uh, be much better funded and on a sustained basis is is one good outcome that could come from this because, you know, the only failure in disease research, be it uh, for coronavirus or cancer, is when you quit or you're forced to quit because of lack of funding. And in every single circumstance, every positive treatment for disease every successful vaccine for disease. The vaccine keeps you from getting the disease. Can you imagine if we had a, a vaccine to, uh, to, 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 to stop this uh, before it becomes you know, the, the, the pandemic that it did? Um, but, but robust, sustained funding is important because these treatments are developed over uh, many, many years. And, and uh, we, we just need to do better in that regard. Congressman Higgins, as always, a pleasure talking to you. Have a great weekend. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's Congressman Brian Higgins joining us here on Hardline a little longer than we uh, we had asked of him, so we appreciate him staying on with us. We're about three minutes late, so let's get caught up with news from Alan Harris, take a few breaks, and then we'll be back. It's Hardline. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. I'm here on WBEN. Welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you today, talking COVID-19. Brian, uh, Congressman Brian Higgins just joined us in the first segment. If you have any reaction to his interview, 803-0930. Also, we talked a lot about the stimulus check and maybe a few people not getting their stimulus check. What is your experience with that and with unemployment? We've had a lot of people call in, text in about the wait for unemployment, the 
thousands of calls before getting a return call from unemployment. So how has your experience been with that? 803-0930. And Brenda, you heard me ask the congressman about his workout routine now that the gyms are closed. Uh, actually, Joe, I didn't because we had a little bit of a technical issue here, so I missed that. But what did he say? He uh, he, he has a few uh, weights at home, and you know he does a lot more walking. I don't know if you saw on Friday, I've, uh, I've now, since there's no one in this building, I am now using the lobby stairs to do, uh, to do a quick workout at the end of my shift. Joe, it's the Entercom Stairmaster. <laughs> exactly. Let me tell you, it, it, it's a little more of a burn than a Stairmaster. It, it, felt, it felt good because, you know, I'm going to be honest here. Uh, the last month, the Quarantine 20, kind of like the Freshman 15. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, boy. I know. It's, it's tough to uh, walk away from the fridge or at least find some comfort in food. And usually if you're uh, looking for comfort food, you're not munching on a broccoli stalk. No. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good idea to keep moving, as I said, uh, as we talked about in the beginning of the show. Um, but with the uh, stair climbing, you know, that's something that you can do right in your home or in your case, Joe, at the office where we have quite a few stairs in the uh, complex at Uniland where we all work or once worked. Uh, but the difference, I think, because you feel the burn is because you can't really cheat with a Stairmaster. You can hang on to the railing, but not so much when you're running up and down stairs. So I commend you for finding a way to uh, get your heart rate up and try to keep your weight under control. And I think most importantly, De-stress. De-stress is the key right now. Can't and can't stress that enough that you need (laughs) some time away from reality. You know, I I was kind of, and I I don't want to make this a rant because we do have some callers and we'll get to them right after I say this. Uh, But Brenda, I was very um, disappointed with the concert or the at-home concert last night. I thought the performances were great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, The Rolling Stones, that was amazing to see. Uh, But it didn't really, you know... We need a little feel-good during this, and all it really was was three hours of a newscast with some sad songs in, in the middle. Does that make sense? Like, I loved, El- I loved Elton John still standing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I like inspirational stuff like that, too, but I really didn't want to think about COVID for a while. Exactly. So. My husband and I uh, watched a series on Netflix that I highly recommend, and we binged it last night. We watched two or three episodes, and we were so enthralled with it that we just finished the whole thing. It's called Godless, and it has uh, Jeff Daniels in it and Michelle Dockery, who was Lady Mary in Downton Abbey. Uh, A really good cast, a lot of actors that you'll recognize, called Godless on Netflix. And if you liked Deadwood, I think you'll really enjoy this series. Uh, highly recommend that. And I was more in the mood, Joe, to do something like that than watch something COVID-related. Yeah, I'll have to add that to the list. You know, I, we, we've got this list uh, of shows we've got to see, of movies we have to see, um, because certain cable providers have thrown in Showtime for free. So trying to see how many movies we can see. Uh, also, the Michael Jordan documentary tonight, The Last Dance, the 10-hour documentary, uh, the first two hours tonight. So you know I'm excited for that. And it's gotten rave reviews for the folks who have had a preview of it. And uh, he's a fascinating character, both on and off the court. So I'm looking forward to watching that as well. Yes, but first, let's get to the calls and let's start with one of our favorite callers, John in Rochester. John, good morning. Hey, Joey, Brenda. Hey, how you doing, John? How are you coping with all of this? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I've got a uh, business that we're, we're essential, partially, partially essential, and so we're keeping people busy. So that's, that's a good thing. But 
it's it's not easy, but but hey, I'm not complaining. We're uh, we're doing well, and I think we'll get out of this thing. But that's one of my points I wanted to bring out. Uh, I know Brian uh, uh, talked about you got to listen to the health experts. Well, the health experts, Fauci and uh, Burks, they were wildly offbeat and uh, overestimated this uh, the death rate from the coronavirus. And, and the models that they're using bother me because uh, it, it has put the economy in a really bad predicament. They're, they're not even close on these models. So that's that's number one. I, I think we... <laughs> Uh, Brian, uh, we got to help. John, I'll let you finish. Let me just uh, interject with this. Do you think that the death numbers could be down because we are practicing social distancing, that the social distancing, the staying at home has actually worked? It saved a ton of lives. No, I I would disagree with that. I would think it, it did save some lives. But the thing that I'm concerned about is herd immunity. What we're doing is we're prohibiting herd immunity in uh, California. Uh, California is doing much better than uh, much of New York, et cetera. And there was a, I heard a doctor talk about, uh, he thinks that his theory is that California went through herd immunity back, it started back in the summertime and lasted through the fall. uh, And uh, therefore California developed herd immunity. I guess once 60% of the people get uh, the virus, uh, that, Qualifies for herd immunity, and the death rate it would it would kind of peter out after that. And I, I'm concerned about that. And I'll give you another example. Uh, I heard a doctor from Long Island uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, live on radio show, and he said that the virus itself, all, as all viruses do, actually the actually actually decline on their own uh, because it, because of uh, uh, Darwin, the Darwin theory, uh, they they recognize as a group this virus, believe it or not, that they can't kill their host. If they kill their host, the virus is dead. So over time, that develops uh, decrease in the virus itself. So between herd immunity and the virus decreasing naturally, I think uh, it's been overblown, and I think it may hurt us. Uh, you know, John, I think that's a dangerous uh, theory. I think that this thing is a real killer. It's a monster. I, I've read about people who are healthy and in great shape that have died from it. It's not just the elderly population. I mean, you look at today's Buffalo News, there are about six pages of obituaries in there. It's heartbreaking. And, and I think to minimize it is dangerous. Um, I understand that people all react differently. But you bring up California, which is an interesting point. Think about it, though. San Francisco, I think, was the first major city to say shelter at home, even before some of the more strict regulations and uh, mandates came down here. So I think Joe uh, is spot on about you have to really maintain social distancing, you know, wear a mask, make sure you're washing your hands, cleaning down surfaces. That's why I think there's been a drop. I think uh, that that's really more accurate than um, thinking that the virus isn't as serious as, as they were first projecting. Well, what do you think about the herd, herd immunity uh, issue? Uh, that seems to be a concern. I've heard it from a number of doctors and publications that that could be a problem, that we're not letting it take its due course. And I do agree. I have a mask. Uh, we're practicing social distancing, uh, whatever, uh, washing our hands. Yeah, I'm taking it seriously, no doubt about it. But 
uh, I'm, I'm concerned about this herd immunity issue, and I'm concerned about the wild projections uh, the Fauci and Burks have, have made, and they're not even close. It's, it's, like, it's like the climate change models. If you, the climate change models also are faulty, but that's another story. But I, I, I would argue that we shouldn't be complaining that the models are wrong. We should be happy there's not, that, not, too, not the deaths. What, what concerns me, John, is that we go back to life is normal, right? And we slowly start letting the economy reopen, which would be better for everybody, yes. Uh, but that then we see that second spike, and then those projections do come true. That's what I'm more worried about. Well, well, I, I think uh, if there is a second spike, and there, there, there may be, uh, we go back into a, a phase, you know, if we're in phase four, we'll go back to phase three or phase two uh, and make adjustments. But I think that's, that's happened before. Um, I, I just think uh, the the economic damage that has been done uh, through Fauci's and uh, Burks's uh, projections have done a lot of a lot of damage because of the hysteria and the hype. I think it's been overhyped, uh, and that's uh, that. And 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 it's you've heard this. In fact, Trump has said this: we can't have the cure worse than the actual disease. And I think. The economy, if it goes to goes south, uh, that's going to create a lot more deaths and a lot more suicides, drug overdoses, alcohol problems, family breakups, etc. I think if this is a war, there's going to be some casualties, and uh, I just think the casualties have been overblown at this point. Well, John, I think a lot of people probably feel like you, and I think some of it is born out of frustration that this is lasting and that there's another, you know, four weeks that we have to endure under these circumstances here in New York State. But I, uh, I respectfully disagree with you. I think this is not overblown and that it, it continues to show uh, what a killer it is. And even President Trump refers to it that way, the, you know, the unseen enemy that's a killer. Um, you know, the one good thing, though, one of the things that I noticed out of uh, Governor Cuomo's press conference yesterday is that there is some stability happening that um, he talked about on average, uh, there's a one to one type of infection now. So if you have COVID-19, uh, the chances of infecting somebody is more one to one than it, and it's that's a, a better number than it was prior to that, where there were more infections from one carrier. So there is some stability, which I think reinforces the fact that these social distancing and other uh, um, requirements are working. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm glad to see the numbers down. I'm glad the projections were wrong. And, and John, thanks for the call. And even though we disagree on this, always appreciate uh, John's call and your call at 803-0930. Uh, but Brenda, you know, the other thing that I think is dangerous, again, this is my opinion, uh, uh, that's dangerous is people that are saying, well, people are going to die anyway. Like, that's just not something that I feel, and may, maybe I've been spoiled, but not something that should be heard in the United States of America. If we can do everything we can to save those at, at risk, to save uh, those that this could kill, we should do everything that's possible. Yes, and, and to think that, you know, in a way, I think maybe that's what John was referring to, was this Darwinism, that, you know, survival of the fittest. Well, that's not the way you want to go out, and it's not. this is the United States of America. We're not some third world country with that kind of mentality that I think is very dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, coming up next, John Zogby has a new poll out, and we're going to talk about that. It's President Trump versus Vice President Biden. Also, President Trump versus Governor Cuomo. He has been getting a lot of airtime, not just in New York State, 
but throughout the United States of America. His press conferences are on every news network, not just here in New York State, but all over the United States of America. We'll see if that possibility could arise. Are the Democrats upset with Joe Biden? Could Joe Biden be pushed out for Andrew, Governor Andrew Cuomo. We'll talk about that. We'll break down the poll numbers of the most recent head-to-head Joe Biden, Donald Trump poll with John Zogby after this break and news with Mr. Alan Harris here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.